when you're thinking about retirement in your 20s already, and not from like a like financial solvency point, just a get the hell out point, mm-hmm. like you got a problem. Welcome to the Emotional Compass. Today's guest is Bailey Fruman. Bailey has been named top 20 mindful life coaches to watch for. She's a life coach, psychotherapist, lifestyle design coach, and author. In today's interview, we're going to be discussing about life, how to overcome your fears, and living your most authentic self in this journey called life. So welcome to the Emotional Compass, Bailey. Uh, Thank you so much for doing this, and we're really excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here and connect with you guys. This is uh, this is an honor, and I love the work that you've done so far. So happy to be part of it. So we're really excited to talk about owning your power, especially because I mean, just coincidentally, like the New Year is rolling around, and people like set intentions and have all those resolutions and start to reevaluate their lives. At least we hope so that they start to ask these questions. You know, it's like, am I heading in the right direction? Am I happy with my job? Am I happy with my life? And if you're not like, hey, maybe you should do something about it. And Bailey, you're the right person to answer those kinds of questions. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I think that it's about having a natural curiosity in life. Um, when we get ourselves into such a fixed point, that this is how it is. That's when we get stuck. So it's about having that perspective of like, what's possible? Like we don't have to have it all figured out, but we do have to be willing. So yeah, I'm happy to dive in and, and talk about what it means to really own your power and take charge of your life. Yeah. So you have a book called own your power and there's this narrative that the book goes through and the very first chapter talks about finding your freedom and I remember reading your book and like that's this first line in that book where it says uh, from the first day of your career that you saw early retirement as a goal and that's crazy because I I felt exactly the same way I'm like great I started this career I have this great corporate job but when can I retire already Right, right, right. Like when you're thinking about retirement in your 20s already, and not from like a like financial solvency point, just a get the hell out point, mm-hmm. like you've got a problem. Like there's an actual problem. Yeah. And I worked in like the insurance industry in a cubicle, you know? So, I mean, I started in the worst possible place ever, not in these cool tech startups that they have today, you know? So I was just like, when do I retire? And when can I get freedom with my time to do whatever I want to do? Yeah. Finding your freedom. Absolutely. I think that we all have like star eyed emoji about retirement because we have it synonymous with freedom. Right. And we're like, okay, when I'm retired, then I'll, and I'm like, with your one precious life, I don't think that we should be playing an I'll be happy when game. Right. Yeah. But we do, we get stuck in this paradigm. And, and frankly, it's probably because, you know, not only do we see it around us in many ways, but generationally, that is what has happened. I read a quote the other day saying, everybody dies. So are you going to be adventurous or are you going to be playing it safe till you die? It's your call. I love what you're doing because it's empowering people. And not only that, you're bringing the genius out of them, that passion, that 
really excites them that that's the gift that gives back to the world that could solve problems that could change somebody's life that could in essence recreate a brand new world so when i see people like you it it gives me tingles and goosebumps to know that there is a miracle worker out there that was able to change their life and now she's bringing those gifts and offering that to others so your experience and your journey that those are the gifts that you get now to give right back. So I'm so grateful for what you're doing and the work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. So what, I mean, I know you guys talk to a lot of people, like what are your thoughts? Why do you think that people have a tendency to play it safe rather than jumping into the journey of adventure? Well, I think you hit it on the head when you said it's generational. That's what you have been conditioned to do. And You know, it's like if you go back, we've been really brainwashed to be those people that are like in this conveyor belt of life that says you got to work for the weekend. That's how things are. And people were trained in like after World War II. I read this this blog post somewhere where they said people were actually trained that you need to work so many hours, you need to have your butt in the seat and you can get time off on the weekend. Usually it was only a Sunday, then it got expanded to Saturday and Sunday. Right, 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 when they expanded it. Right, exactly, when they expanded it, you know, they were like, oh, okay, fine, six days a week is too much. Maybe you should get five. Yeah, I, I also think that we, we've been shifting also to balance our culture We've been so patriotical for thousands of years, looking back 6,000 years where the, the masculine logic has overtaken how we survive as a culture, as a society. And the matriotical, the, the passion, the love, the intuition, that's what allows us to be balanced human beings. So because we've been giving so much emphasis in the masculine, in the government, in the corporations, all of a sudden we, we're killing our soul. And I feel like now is the time for us to wake up, open our hearts and bring out our gifts because that's going to be our salvation. That's the only way we're going to save ourselves from this nosedive that we're experiencing right now with Earth. So you're doing work not only for yourself, but for, for planet Earth in essence, because coming from the heart is the only way in my book that we're going to overcome all this. Right, right, right. And be like when you really think of it, in so many ways, like we have been wired in that masculine capacity and masculine as you know, for anyone who's listening, masculine is not necessarily like gender based, it's right. an energy source. Exactly. And especially in the United States, we've been wired toward that masculine perspective of our worth is derived by way of our productivity. So of course, let's burn the midnight oil. Of course, I mean, you want to be productive? 40 hours? Ha ha right? You should be billing at 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Well, that's true productivity. That's really being successful. Right. And then like, what are the metrics we're using by which writes the story of our life? If the metric of success is dependent on bank account rather than to your point, you know, being able to actually feel our life, uh, being able to experience balance, being able to make our own choices, right? And I'm not saying it's an either or, But I'm saying, what are the influences by which you're creating the narrative that is telling you the story? And from that story that you tell yourself, those are the actions that you take. So if you believe that 
you only have worth based on what you can produce. Well, guess what? Yeah. 11, 12, one o'clock in the morning. What are you doing? Yep. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. When your Definitely. heart is craving yeah. environment life, right? Freedom. Yeah. When I'm done, I'm going to start gardening. Well, I hope that this whole COVID thing has been a wake-up call for at least a few people because they realize that they cannot balance work life and life, you know, like family life. Yeah. Because the kids have been at home, they've been at home, everyone's stuck in this pressure cooker, all the Zoom calls, everyone's in front of the screens all the time. And what do they do to take time off? They have more screens in front of them with Netflix and all of that other stuff. It's like, where is that time away from the screens, away from each other, away from like this work that you're constantly doing? Oh, absolutely. Bodhi, you're completely right. And it is, it's a, it's a pressure cooker. Um, and I would also lend it to, that was based on agreements and contracts, right? Visible and invisible that we made when the rules of the game were this, right? right. Because you can't start playing the game operation with the same rules as Monopoly. I'm a mom and uh, my daughter got her uh, kindergarten first marking period report card and her teacher had marked her tardy for virtual school. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, wait a second, hold on. You can't tell me that the rules from this game over here where we had like school buses and school and like, I don't know, like kindergartners like licking each other to now <laughs> when like I can barely get pants on this kid and we're, we're going to give a couple tardies. I'm pretty sure there's different rules of the game. Absolutely. You know, to your point, it's become a pressure cooker. So I agreed right on this foundation of like, well, yeah, I'll agree to a bunch of kids or I'll agree to this job based on the, the relief of the commute or the relief, our perception of right. these of them going to school. And it's like, we need a new narrative. We need a new narrative because this isn't working. Yeah. So what's, what's the next step? You know, like, okay, someone says, fine, Bailey, I want freedom. How do I go about it? Right. Well, I think that it's a combination of three important things. And that is first figuring out what's holding you back. Right. Hmm. Because we can have the best, like, biggest idea, like, this is the year I'm going to make my first million. It's like, great, what's holding you back? Sometimes, most times, it's not at the actual game plan. It's what's going on up here, right? Your belief about your capacity. So the first thing to do is really, like, let's kind of shine light and figure out what's the boogeyman in our mind, figure out what's mm. not working. Yeah. The second thing is that we need a destination. Like, truth is, ship can't leave the harbor without some sort of manifest, it's even a lighthouse, something that's going to guide it. And the same thing with our vision. If you don't know where you're going, guess what? It's highly likely that you're going to end up somewhere else. Wow. So it doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. Like who has it all figured out? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Definitely not me. <laughs> put my hand down on that one. Not right? me either. Right. But it's about that willingness and like even paying attention to the breadcrumbs. So Abiel, to your point before, like that seed of your intuition, that like checking in with your feelings and have those things being your guide. If that's all clouded by the story of your should, or frankly, your, I mean, 
sorry guys, you're going to put an explicit rating on this, but like your head shit, right? Because we all have it. But if that is what's driving the bus, the drunk monkey's driving the bus, then guess what? What do you think your results are going to be? So it's being intentional about your vision. And I'd say the third thing, and frankly, my favorite is like, let's move our feet, right? Because it isn't enough to just identify our blocks. It's not enough to just identify our vision. We got to start moving and taking action on it. How often do you talk to a friend or even yourself sometimes and you say, I know, I know, but like the actions don't change, right? The simplest example is like, if you need to lose weight, right? Your doctor says, hey, you're pre-diabetic or hey, you're predisposed to heart disease, something. You really got to lose some weight. And you're like, I know, I know, but yet you don't make any lifestyle changes. So part three to answer your question is, well, let's move our feet. Let's start to take action. Let's get a game plan in place. Because again, you don't have to have it all figured out, but like we just have to start somewhere. And wherever we take our next step is logically going to lead us to the next step and the next step. Yeah. So I know that for many of us, we're trepidatious about like pulling out of the driveway without the exact game plan in hand. But you know what? When we figure out our blocks and we have our vision, in many ways, like what it does is it helps us to wire our brain. And this is where my geeky background as a psychotherapist comes out, right? So that we can start to change the wiring in our brain that we don't need the safety of the perception of a constant game plan, but just the willingness to walk forward. Beautiful. Wow. It reminds me a little bit of the Atomic Habits book about the guy that just showed up to the gym for five minutes. And eventually he's like, well, I'm here. Might as well work out for more than five minutes. Taking that time just to do a little bit every day. That's beautiful. When I was going over your book, I realized you have so much information. Like that one book that you wrote, it, in essence, it's like three or four books of material that that people cover all the time, but I feel like you got so many good nuggets to put into place, like all these little puzzle pieces that allows the the soul to dislodge and to, to jump up for joy. And I, I was looking, what are some of your um, favorite ways because of your background to overcome fear? Because as humans, right, we have this bias towards negativity that's the four to one. So in our minds, I always tell people, imagine all your your, your positive things in life and multiply that times four and imagine all the worst things that ever, ever happened to you and divide that by four and you can start balancing off what your life is really like. So I, I'm just curious from your perspective. Well, it's funny because you're, you're planting the seed. Um, I'm actually working on my next book right now. And the title of it is fire your fears because that's what it is. You know, and in many ways it's, it's the next step to owning your power is to fire your fears. And Uh, you make a great point. We are biologically wired as human beings to be looking for the other shoe to drop. And when I say biological wiring, I'm talking back like caveman days. We're on the lookout for a saber tooth tiger at all times. So it's almost our default setting to be predisposed to the negative because just like the VCR, if you go and you plug it in, guess what it's going to blink? not 3.30, it blinks 12. It's always going to blink 12. And since we know that that's our default setting, it's about making the choice to choose the life that you want. And the only way that we can choose the life that we want, right? It's, it, it sounds simple, but you open up the refrigerator and you've got two choices here. Do you want 
you know, uh, an ice cream sundae or do you want carrots and hummus? Well, you know what, if you're supposed to be on the get right with your health, you better be reaching for the carrots and hummus. So the same thing with the diet that we're feeding our mind is that when things come in and we need to put them through a filter, almost like a decision tree of some sort. And we want to see, like, we are going to want to go for the junk, right? We're going to want to go for that negative. We're going to want to feed the fears, but feeding our fears is just like consuming sugar where all it's, all it's going to do is create that immediate reaction and it leaves us with no resources. And I don't know about you guys, but I know that I can walk through fire when I'm feeling well-resourced and willing. I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to be courageous. Like people think that, I love this though. People ask me all the time, like Bailey, can you like get rid of my fear of that? I was like, sure. Would you like a lobotomy? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what do you mean? I said, well, here's the thing. Life is kind of a road trip. And I'm sure you guys have great examples of this, but it's fear is going to be in the third row of the minivan. But my goal is to not have fear driving the bus, right? Because when fear's in charge and fear's at the wheel and fear's making the decisions, like it's all from a lower vibrational place. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you guys can think of examples in which you're making a reaction or a judgment or a choice out of a place of fear. And we don't respond. It's, It's literally like making the decision. We don't eat the ice cream when we're supposed to be taking care of our health. Like we don't let fear drive the bus. And when we remember, I think this is the most important part of the message is that if we remember that fear is just information, right? So there we are, we hand on the wheel and the, the minivan door is open. Everybody's piling in. And when I say everybody, I'm talking about like joy, excitement, anger, uh, like uh, trepidation, doubt. I mean, everybody's getting in the van. And we just have to make sure that determination or intention is the one who's driving and hopefully the co-pilot as well. And fear is going to get in and fear is going to say, but I, I, I'm, I'm worried about, and oh, what if this happens? And all we have to do is thank you for that information. <laughs> it sounds easy. It's you have to so acknowledge it. That's really important because you do have to acknowledge the fear. If you don't acknowledge it, it keeps getting louder and louder and louder until you have a panic attack. Right. And if you try to kick fear out of the out of the bus, it'll get so pissed off. Yeah. It'll bring his buddy anger with him. And then you got <laughs> fear and anger teaming up on joy and excitement. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. And then then, then we've got a real problem. <laughs> it, it reminds me of the quote that courage is not an absence of fear, but it's despite the fear that you go ahead and do the thing that you want to do. Right. That's why I talk so much about willingness. I think willingness doesn't get enough like screen time, right? I think that people forget about just being willing. To your point, Abiel, about, you know, the guy who's just like, okay, I'll just show up at the gym for five minutes. Like, it wasn't like this like stalwart determination that got him to the gym. It was just like literally a willingness. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but let me just show up. You know, since you opened that box, I want to like talk about something. I feel like it's controversial. What do you think of motivation? Because I think it's crap. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think when you say something's controversial, you're not supposed to show your cards just. <laughs> I showed my bias. All right. Sorry. Fine. Fine. I love motivation. <laughs> Shut up and do the work. I love it. Um, it's, I think it's interesting. I think that um, many times when we want to rewire our brain, um, what we try to do is believe the opposite of what we're currently believing, right? So we actually talk about this in Own Your Power with the uh, self-talk cycle. And which is also like when I put my therapy hat on, it's cognitive behavioral. This is just the wiring of the brain. Can you you expand on the self-talk cycle? Sure, sure, sure. So for anyone who's listening, think of the self-talk cycle like uh, a triangle. And at the top are the words. Uh, Bottom right is the feelings. And bottom left is the actions. So the words feed the feelings. The feelings feed the actions. And guess what? From our actions feed the words again. And it goes around and around and around. And it's never that you have negative self-talk and therefore you feel awesome and you act awesome. That never happens. If it's negative self-talk, you're going to feel like garbage. You're going to act like garbage. That's how this works. So to your point about motivation, many times people will say something like, I hate my job. I don't want to believe that anymore. Okay. I'm going to get motivated. I love my job. And then I say, because I'm from New Jersey, I say, bullshit. <laughs> That's a very technical term. I like that. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is high level therapy tactic. <laughs> but the reason I call bullshit on it is because that's not how our mind works. That we're going to go from, I hate my job to I love my job. It just, no, it's a bridge too far but it's about incremental change. So, you know, Bodhi, I'm not, you know, with love, I'm not going to hop on the, like, I hate motivation bandwagon, but what I am going to, you know, put my little sign up for would be in the realm of intention, like vision, taking action, willingness, and getting yourself some support. Like nobody's tombstone is ever going to say like, here lies Bodhi. He did it all himself. Like, no, no, absolutely not. So that's well, why, like, you know, having support, having people on your team, having a coach, having a therapist, like having people that you can trust, having a co-host, like doing it all ourselves. There's, there's no reward for that. I love that. I constantly, um, I test my waters because I feel like as a human being, I always have to be at the edge, testing my boundaries, understanding my fears, overcoming my fears. And when I fear something, I have to confront it. I have to come face to face with it. And the more I do that, the more I become comfortable with shaking hands with fear. And I soon realized that fear itself was excitement in cloaks that it, it was not, it was never fear itself. And knowing that I fear it because it means something to me and knowing that I could redirect that energy to be the excitement that drives me has that kink in the, in the code, right? That NLP of, of all of a sudden I rewired it. I changed the two letters that all of a sudden makes it work for myself. So I found out that by doing the work, showing up and being present, which is something that Bodhi and I talk a lot about, our meditation practice, so that we have a relationship with our thoughts when they're actually happening instead of having so many unconscious thoughts and not understanding why we feel like crap. And 
And because of this podcast, we've been exposed to so much good material that has it's been so many gifts to me personally. So having you on this show and going over your material is that's more arsenal for my little backpack for my life's journey. So thank you. You're absolutely welcome. Um, do you think that it's a matter of like constantly flooding yourself with the, the support, whether it is the meditations or it is, you know, books or it is, you know, journal writing or it is who you surround yourself with? Um, do you feel like it's, it's a constant practice? Do you feel like it's a one-off, like the magic bullet shot? What are your thoughts there? I, there's this one word that keeps coming back and it's called grace. I I can't explain it, but when you open yourself up and say, universe, I have a mission and I chose this life. Please put the resources in place for me to do the best I can with this short, limited amount of time. And when you, and when you ask for that sincerely, now I'm getting a little woo woo, but it's true, true, right? Then things start to show up and that I don't understand it, but I feel like our wiring of our brains is also linked to the reality that we perceive and the things that happen outside of ourselves, like Jung will call it synchronicity. And all these things start to add up and to collect. And before you know it, you start building this momentum, this tribe, this group of people that all of a sudden now are aiding you on your way to discovering like a brand new world, a a brand new point of view. And to me, I call it grace because I can't take credit for all the amazing people, resources, and gurus and teachers that have formed the, the reality that I perceive. I stand in the shoulder of giants, and I'm so grateful for them. So I call it grace. I don't, I don't know what else to call it. No, I love that. I love that. Bodhi, how about you? Funny you said magic bullet, right? And uh, a while long time ago, I had read this story about a CEO and, uh, you know, he had called a meeting, an all hands meeting and said, we need a, we need to come up with a solution because our, you know, revenue has been going down quarter after quarter and something's got to give. And uh, someone chimed up and said, we need a silver bullet. And at that moment, he turned to him is like, no silver bullets, only lead bullets, because that's the only way we're going to get through this is we have a million great ideas, not one good idea. Mm. And they turned it around. And yeah. there was the whole story of like, you know, no silver bullets, man, only lead bullets. And that has stayed with me because I realized, like Abiel said, you know, it's, it's not the one thing that you do. It's a collective of the meditation, the gratitude journaling, the vision boarding, which is something actually it's, it's not a segue, but I wanted to come back to that and talk about that, touch upon that, you know, and having that vision or reading the books, having a podcast, it's just a collective of like feeding your mind and having a tribe that helps you move forward with your vision or keeps you accountable that, Hey, you are moving forward with that vision. So that's what I feel. Right, right, right. That you are moving forward. Um, And I think you, the word you said, tribe, the tribe that holds that, you know, that higher vision for you, they don't have to have the the same vision um, will hold space for that. I think that's really powerful. And 
I don't know about you, but I'm sure that there are people in your life that you keep at whisper distance, people that are very close oh, to yeah. you. <laughs> people that like, I mean, somewhere down the football field, I'm like, hey, hi. Right. It's like, you just, you're good over there. You are good over there. Don't come any um, closer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not a foot closer. Um, but I think that it's be also being intentional and tending to the garden that is your social circle. doesn't mean that it's like only perfect people allowed, but it's being really intentional about, again, the sources with which is are feeding your narrative, because whether it's you know, the, you know, impetus to own your power, or it is the choice to fire your fears, whatever it is, it's like, it needs to be done by way of our narrative. And the the narrative is more, you know, weeding the garden than it really is to, you know, reaping the harvest all the time. It's about intention. Yeah, absolutely. Because whatever you plant in your mind, whether it's good or bad, it's going to reap. So you might as well plant good because <laughs> the mind doesn't that? care. Was that, it was Earl Nightingale, right? That, that's what, uh, yeah. Stranger yeah. Seeker. Oh, yeah. So good. So good. I love that. Um, and for anybody who hasn't read it, um, it's, it's a short read. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. pages, but yeah, the mind doesn't care what you plant in it. You can plant strawberries and have delicious, juicy, beautiful red strawberries, or you can plant poison ivy and be itching like hell. But like, Mind doesn't care. It's this fertile soil. Yeah. Um, be really, really intentional about what you plant. Yeah. Unfortunately, weeds propagate very fast. Oh, yeah. And oh, anybody yeah. that has their own little garden know that if you're not on top of them, they take over in a heartbeat. <laughs> Same with our mind, my friend. Same with our mind. Yeah. Uh, so the last thing that I just want to touch upon, and this is how we met, because Bailey was giving this amazing vision boarding a workshop which I attended and I was just blown away because she had all these like little nuggets of wisdom. But in your book, you talked about the first time you did a vision board. And I thought that was so funny because that's how I felt when I did a vision board at the first time. I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I don't even know after I put all these images together, if that's going to have any kind of effect whatsoever. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. I remember the first time I did a vision board and I literally like that hot, cold sweat came over me. (laughs) Shit, I don't have the answer. Right. Like, you know, when you were in school and it was multiple choice and you're like, I don't think it's any of these as my option. Like, huh. And the same thing, you know, I didn't know what I wanted. And this was years ago before I launched the company. And it was I looked around the room and everyone was cutting. So if anyone hasn't ever made a vision board, um, the most primitive way to make it, because uh, many people make it digitally now, but I, I'm old school, like, you know, give me, give me paper, give me scissors. But, you know, you flip through magazines and you see what images or words, you know, really pop to mind for you. And then you arrange them on a board and you make sure that you put your board somewhere that you can see it all the time. Well, I'm in this room and everyone's happily, merrily chatting, cutting things out. And I'm, I'm like literally sweating. I didn't have a turtleneck on, but I felt like I did. I was just like, I can't breathe. I just can't breathe. And I'm looking at this board and the board was like growing bigger by the second, just like looking at it and having nothing on it. And I was like, I don't know what I want because I was so busy living my life like a to-do checklist, right? Like, let me just do all the things that I'm supposed to do, right? 
whether it was my track through education or my track through my career, uh, just I'm just climbing to the next step, the next step, the next step. And with that tunnel vision, I forgot to put the most important thing on the menu. And that was me. I didn't know who the hell I was or what I wanted. And that was probably what was so scary. So what I did was, again, evoking, as I talked to you guys about, like evoking the power of willingness. And I was just like, okay, all I have to do is flip through these magazines and see what I'm drawn to. I don't have to judge it. I don't have to make sense of it. I, like, I don't, I can just flip through. Um, and if we have a minute, I'm going to tell you a funny story that went along with that. Oh, absolutely. Go for um, it. So I'm, I'm putting things on there, right? And I, I've got everything like, you know, typical, the healthy food, the nice relationship, travel. I'm putting all these things on there. My first original vision board. And I find this picture of a young boy um, and he's, he has darker skin. And I'm thinking, oh, he's probably, maybe he's Hispanic. I don't know. But for some reason, I felt really drawn to put him on the board. And, you know, obviously I'm a super white girl. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know where this Hispanic kid is coming from. But at the time I also like didn't have any children. I was like, all right, well, maybe I'm going to adopt. And you can go down the rabbit hole, like trying to figure the whole thing out. But I was like, I oh, forget it. But I put him on the board. Fast forward six months, eight months later, I'm in El Salvador. And if anybody knows about El Salvador, like they had decades of political unrest, a lot of civil war, and therefore it's, it hadn't for years been a well-traveled um, like expat destination. It just wasn't. So from the, and, and I am, you know, I've, I've been to more than 35 countries. So I'm used to being in cultures where I don't speak the language um, because I've barely mastered English. So I'm in El Salvador. I'm in the airport. I'm noticing nobody is speaking English from the airport to, um, to the place where we're staying. Again, nobody's speaking English, even at the hotel, no one speaks English. And I'm like, you know, you have your American ego and you're like, well, certainly everyone, there's gotta be an English speaker, whatever ego. Anyway, long story short, there was a boy there who was our waiter and he would be there from six o'clock in the morning till 10, 10 30, 11 o'clock at night every day. Um, and he was our waiter at the little restaurant that they had. And he was really trying to speak English with me. And I had my Spanish notebook and, and I was trying to speak Spanish with him. And he was, he was great. We had a, a great connection. He was 19 years old at the time. And he hadn't seen his mother in five years because in El Salvador, she had been offered a job to travel back to Germany with her expat family um, and, and, and caretake for the family. So she had left and she left her three oldest children in El Salvador. And he was the youngest of the oldest at the time. Wow. So he's no father, completely taking care of himself, like putting himself through nursing school, doing the best that he absolutely could. And from his kindness, and we were just connecting that I said to him, I said, you know, Carlos, his name's Carlos. I said, Carlos, you know, you like, why don't you go see your mom in Germany? She's like, he's explained to me. He's like, Bailey, you don't understand flying to Germany because I'm El Salvadoran. Hmm. I can't like go to the United States and then fly to Germany. I can't do that. I've got to fly to Panama to fly to Germany tickets like $2,000. Well, in El Salvador, working in a nice high-end restaurant, he was making $8 a day, wow. right? So also paying for nursing school, how was he going to get there? I said, Carlos, this is ridiculous. Like I can get a round trip flight to, to Germany for like, you know, three, 400 bucks. 
no, no problem. And he's like, yeah, it's just not possible for me. So I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? Like we can make this happen. I created an exchange student program for him out of thin air. I just decided that this was happening and he ended up coming to the United States and we got him a visa. He ended up living with us for six months and he ended up enrolled in um, English language school for, for nursing there. He ends up getting jobs and working, um, you know, with friends, with restaurants and, and just, and he made the cash in order to fly to Germany. And with his visa, he could fly to Germany to see his mother. That was, so that was so many years ago. And, and so I'm looking at my vision board and the first thing that drops into my mind was that that boy, that random boy on my vision board that I couldn't figure out why I put this random boy on there was Carlos. Wow. So That's I, amazing. You know, I give that story. Well, fast forward guys, like Carlos ended up getting married and he lives in the United States. He is, he went to, to, to Berkeley for college. Like he, wow. rocked, yes, Carlos rocked it out. He's like, full wow. I'm living goosebumps. yeah, Carlos is crushing it. Um, but I'm sharing this with you because we don't always know. We don't always know. But to your point before, Abiel, is like, what are you drawn to? And you can't hear what you're drawn to if you've got so much head noise. So do the first part, and that's turn the volume down on what's not working for you. All that noise, all those blocks and those obstacles, because that is when the vision emerges. And only then can we take action from that place. Right? So Carlos, I mean, he came into my life for a reason and I came into his life for a reason. And he calls me, um, so Abiel, I'm, I'm going to just bank on your Spanish being pretty good. <laughs> but he calls me Madrina. And I guess that means like godmother. Godmother, yes. Yeah. Bodhi's Spanish is pretty good too. <laughs> oh, Bodhi. Okay. Well, sorry. I'm, 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 I'm marginalizing your host, guys. Sorry. Está sorry. bien. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Bodhi, you know what this means. Um, but it's just so funny because I think that ultimately um, we are in charge of our lives and we might not know the entire way that it's to be laid out, but it's here for us. It's happening for us, not to us. And that's how we can step into owning our power is to to, to see that place of willingness, that place of being able to change. And you don't have to have it all figured out. That's an amazing story, by the way. I just have goosebumps. And wow. I mean, it, it basically brings the whole thing full circle together, right? Where you said, like, turn down the volume on the negative thoughts so that you can let a vision appear. And now you have something to... Uh, act upon I couldn't ask <laughs> that's that's a beautiful way to sum this thing up really so beautiful <laughs> but it is it's it's interesting I think that again it's about being in charge of our narrative and what are the ways in which we're talking to ourselves you know whether it's through grace or it is through our relationship with our practice, or it's, it's with seeing those synchronicities. Um, it's with the willingness that like, that's what brings about the change in our world and it doesn't happen overnight. And therefore when we don't see, you know, when we plant the seeds, let's go for another garden analogy, but when we plant the seeds and we water it and we walk outside, we're like oh, mud, 
the next day, like mud. And then there can come a point where we just literally give up, like, guess those seeds were duds. And then that day is when we're like, it's green. It's green. It takes 10 years to be an overnight success. I, well, I was I always questioned, so how do you get rid of all those fears? And I read a book that changed my life. It was called Letting Go. You just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Easier said than done. So for you with that book, because um, I actually just recommended it to a client of mine, um, what what really stood out to you was like the biggest lesson in giving you the power to let go. I think as doers, as people that are constantly working at becoming better, there comes a point where the the work has to subside and you have to allow things to happen. And acceptance is a big, big part of it. Like understanding like your imperfections and because with all those imperfections, you start developing gifts. And it's not because of your perfect life. Like Tony Robbins talks about, you know, thank, thank that stepmother that treated you like crap. Thank that ex that made your life miserable because of them is that you built this amazing character and person that you are. So the book, uh, letting go, uh, by David R. Hawkins, it's, you go through all your, your things that you've been working so hard at getting rid of and, and you sit with them and you just allow them to, to embrace them and to be with them. And the moment comes where you're so okay with your imperfections that they kind of like shut, shut away. It's, it's not something that you have to work at because I love that theory that we are, we are the Buddha that's covered in mud. We are brilliant, perfect, and beautiful inside. And it's a matter of time before all, all that mud gets shed away and, and you show your true brilliance. So the book was more about falling in love with myself, being comfortable in my skin and appreciating my imperfections because those are my gifts. Right, right, right. Appreciating those imperfections. Bodhi, how about you? I'm curious, like, you know, you you were sharing at the beginning of uh, this episode, you know, being in that corporate cubicle and saying there's got to be something more. Like, what were some of the biggest, like, catalysts for you that have brought you to, like, I can imagine you didn't wake up one day and I'm like, well, today I'll start the podcast, but you know, that <laughs> brought you to on your journey. I, I, I mean, it's been a long journey since that moment. That was over 20 years ago. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I, I was telling this to somebody else the other day where um, what you envision your life to be from where you are now it's not a linear progression whatsoever. You know, it's, if you were to draw a line chart, it would just be all over the place really. Cause you don't get to it like one straight way or one diagonal way, or it's not like bottom left to the top, right. doesn't happen that way. You meander, you fumble, you fall. Um, I think we've all fallen and learned our lessons. Like Abiel was saying, you know, thank that person that treated you horribly so that you could learn those lessons and do better. And for me, it was, you know, um, going through a divorce, going through a horrible relationship, having both my parents just pass away in the last few years. All of these things put me in despair. 
And I, I had the choice. I was like, am I going to be in this state of despair for the rest of my life? Or am I going to dig myself out of this hole and just put myself on fire? Right, right, right. And I was like, light myself on fire. Like, what if that's the only choice that I have, that's what I'm going to do. Right. Because right. I could not, I just got tired of my story. I was like, I'm not the victim of this circumstance, even though I feel like I am. And I can't remain in this ditch in this hole forever. I need to claw my way out. Right, right, right. And how many people can like relate to that? I mean, so many people that are listening can relate to so many elements of what you're sharing. And, you know, you, you feel like you dug this hole so deep. At this point, it's like you, you've ceased to be able to see the blue of the sky anymore. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right, right. And sometimes like we're waiting for somebody to throw a rope. Like could somebody <laughs> <laughs> And and that's the thing. That's was my biggest realization. Nobody's coming to save you. No. Nobody's coming to save you. No. It has to come from within. You have to wake up the giant inside and be like, come on, let's right. go. We can do this. Right. Every day is not like that. There are days I'm still like, oh man, can I just like, you know, <laughs> go back to sleep? <laughs> I don't want to do this. I don't want to adult today. Right. But right. it's it brings me back to that willingness that you were talking about. Yeah. Are you willing to fire your fears? Are you willing to own your power? Are you willing to move forward and keep moving forward despite what you're feeling? Despite all the negativity, despite circumstances like COVID, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm sure this this whole circumstance that was situation that was thrown upon the whole world has made a lot of people question how they live, how they, oh yeah, you know, what they're working towards, what life is about, really. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. existential questions. I absolutely, absolutely. You know, so at MindRise, it's myself and we have a team of coaches. And every time we have a coaching meeting, we are all coming together saying the same things, that this has been such a pivot point for people who are, again, willing to pivot. And they don't want to feel like a victim of their circumstances. Um, you know, so it's almost like the kid that gets sent to their room and, and what are you either going to sit there and you're going to pout or, you know, you're going to bust out those old Legos and like really come up with something fantastic, right? You're going to just get creative. So it's, it, it is, it's an, it's an interesting juxtaposition of understanding when we've got to go it alone and take care of ourselves and to do that in connection with community as well. Um, and I think that being able to see the opportunities for creativity, for cooperation, for connection, for pivot, um, it's not just that linear path is an ebb and a flow, like the, the life breath that it truly is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, I really want to thank you for joining us today and enlightening us with all the knowledge that you have, your amazing book on your power we're going to have all the links in the show notes uh bailey any parting words uh, well thank you guys so much for having me on and it is it's it's this is an exact example of you know plugging yourself into conversations that help you to elevate to help you to rise so um i appreciate you guys inviting me to be part of this conversation today 
Absolutely. I think the honor and pleasure is ours. And we look forward to your next book. Maybe you can come back and talk about that. You bet. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Bailey.